Be a professional. I was trying. Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> as soon as I started the clock, you started to laugh. I wasn't trying to laugh. What happened was I was about to cough and I caught it. Yeah. But the cough made me want to laugh. Yeah. So I was just like, hold. Hold. <laughs> You could have coughed. We could have just started over again. I didn't think of that. I don't think. You know me. <laughs> Thinking isn't my thing. No, I know. You I know, know what is my thing? Being Vanessa Gritton. Oh, one yeah. Of the hosts Hi. of the show. Hi. Hello. God, we're so good at these intros. I'm so happy with how it works. What's your name, other voice? Um, it's Olivia Hydar. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, you know, I just am so happy that we finally landed on a on a way to start the show that is consistent and it and it makes sense every season and it definitely doesn't make people immediately stop the podcast and delete, unsubscribe. You say this now, but I guarantee this has gotta be one out of ten people plus. Sure. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It might be. <laughs> Uh, thank you to everyone who is still listening. Um, we have listeners. We have a nipped out cat on the floor. Yes, we do. Uh, welcome to Lowest Common Phenominator. We gave my cat drugs. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, the legal kind. Yep. Catnip. Yeah. Uh, it's the gateway drug for cats. Yeah. Gateway to happiness. Baked out of her mind and listening to us pod some cast. Oh, yeah. She's totally listening. She's all on board. I was just joking with Olivia that her brain is basically the colors and shapes part of 2001 Space yep. Odyssey right now. Yeah, she's in the Stargate. She's she's in the Stargate. She has been for quite some time. <laughs> she's just been rolling around like yeah. she's on Molly. And she I, reverted into a – no, she, she became an old cat and then reverted back into a kitten. And then just woke up exactly where she was a second ago. Yeah. And is just like, I've led a thousand lives. Exactly. Uh – yeah, I. Uh, why didn't people? Why don't people talk about catnip more? You know, I feel like it. I feel like it used to be a thing. Like I know cartoons have always been really into catnip. It's a herb you give your pet, and it makes them fucked up. You don't have yeah. that for. You don't have anything you could put into a goldfish tank and have him fucking Jones for something. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. Oh, we, no one's ever asked. High? No one's ever asked. You know what Olivia's good at? Getting animals high. No, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't put that on me. I'm good at getting human beings high. That's true. I'm not, I don't, I you know, if an animal has gotten high around me, that is not my fault. Uh, God. Uh, we've had interesting weeks. Sure, yeah. It's been a, it's been a week uh, or so. My my car stalled in a in a busy intersection. Yeah, you you uh, you got oh in an intersection. Yeah, in the middle of a busy intersection, rush hour traffic. Yeah, one of the interse- It wasn't like an intersection, like a right. Like it was a freeway exit, and then two parts of the road. Yeah, yeah. And uh, almost, I almost fought a man. I almost fought a man, Olivia. Yeah, you 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 almost uh, got yourself murdered. If that guy had not been such a pushover. Uh, you probably would not be here right now, and I would have to find a whole new co-host. I know. Which would just be such a pain in the ass on my part. Because I keep starting fights that my Velma Dinkley-ass body can't cash. No. It's true. I think I put two different yeah, analogies I, I together. Think, I think it, it tracked. Speaking of tracking, 
No. Oh, no, I'm not. This is <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that's going. Oh, I just, I found a copy of Cinema Paradiso uh, that I really liked, but then for a shoot, I needed a VHS, and the one we had to write on was broken, so guess who had to cannibalize her copy? Oh, no. So now there's a copy of Cinema Paradiso with 30 minutes of Kyle on it. Aw. Wait, how? Is that possible? Yeah, you put tape over the uh, uh, do not record over part, and then you just record over it. Huh. Uh, and the... The uh, camcorder does not know the difference. Yeah, the I never tape knew that. It. You just put it over the little hole. I uh, did not know that. Yeah, part of me wants to sell it back to good. I mean, like donate it to Aww, Goodwill just no. so like. <laughs> but the thing. <coughs> so someone then from... think about the nice person who would want to watch Cinema Paradiso, or I can't remember how that movie is pronounced. Paradiso. And just imagine. The it's, nice person who wants that. It's even funnier because in the movie it's about editing shit out of movies. Yeah. So I get to the end where so he's finally meta. watching all of the edits of all the kisses that have been edited out. And it's just my cat. They <laughs> never see anyone kiss. <laughs> I mean, that might be good. I mean, but you might just want to hang on to that as your alternate version. That would be hilarious. Yeah. I have a cut of Cinema Paradiso where instead of the supercut of kissing at the end it's just my cat sleeping because yeah. i was testing a camera hey you know that's that's <clears throat> engaging cinema exactly uh hell yeah uh, um so yeah it was a it was a real busy week uh you also got stuck on a mountain yep uh closed my leg in a car door shortly after that yeah uh it's not good the best part is i have footage of me closing my leg on a car door oh yeah uh, because my travel companion had a camera out because I was doing a stupid bit, and I like was gonna jump in my car and close the door and be like, "Well, I'm off," and instead I <laughs> forgot to pull my leg into the yeah. car, yeah, 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 and closed it on my leg. Man, that that's a that's a real real rough ride. I'll release the tape soon. Oh, you've got a tape. Yeah, because again, I was a, it was a yeah. bit, it was a dumb bit, and they were like joke filming. Yeah. And then I closed it on my leg and tried not to scream, and they're like, I filmed all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see as clear as day, my leg outside of the car when I choose to close the door. And you can find that on Vanessa's Twitter soon. <sighs> as soon as I'm ow, over it. Yeah. It's no good. Leg paint sucks. Uh, what did you close in a car door this week? Uh, you know, nothing. Uh, but uh, I had a couple cinematic misadventures. <laughs> Oh uh, no! I uh, I saw the I saw the new Child's Play remake. Did you see that movie? <clears throat> yeah. Movie sucks. Yep. This is not not good. Not a good movie. This is the only podcast where I'm legally allowed to say something sucks. <laughs> uh, so that movie sucks. Yeah. I can't say that uh, anywhere else. It, you know, it's a bummer. Like I really like the fact that there. I mean, yeah. I like Mark Hamill. I like Aubrey Plaza. You know who's great in that movie? is Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Who should just be in everything. I love Brian Tyree that Henry. Guy, that guy is having a great run right now. I can't remember what other thing I saw that he was, like, just in. Uh, I mean, well, he was in Widows last year. He was the main villain in Widows and was fucking fantastic. Uh, and then this year, uh, what did I just see him in? I was just looking him up. Uh but he's just like on a real run. Where he's either in something Jordan Peele related or is about to be in something Jordan Peele related. 
Uh, that makes. I mean, they would be good together. That's a good uh, matchup. I mean, you know, he was uh, he was Miles's dad and in Into the Spider Verse, yep. which is another really great run. I mean, he was in If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, he's been just fucking killing. It. He was just announced to be in Eternals. Yep. Uh, which is a good choice for them. He's unfortunately going to be in Godzilla versus Kong, which is probably going to suck ass. I'm going to watch it. No, thank you. Uh, um, let's see. Let's let's take a look at uh, at the old Brian Tyree Henry filmography. Uh, let's see. He's going to be in The Woman in the Window. I've never heard of this. Uh, it's familiar to me for some reason. Probably, it seems like a, an, it's based on like an airport book. It's a spooky story. Uh, apparently, he's going to be playing an Arkham State hospital clerk in Joker. Huh. Which is interesting that he doesn't even merit a name in Joker. Uh, but he's very good in Child's Play. I couldn't figure out. You might you might look. I couldn't figure out what you were trying to think of. Uh, man, uh, I just seeing it in something... But he is very good in Child's Play, do, playing a character who would never exist in real life. Uh, at one point, they make him say the line, white guy dead in a watermelon patch, poetic. And that line is one of the worst uh, lines that I have seen in a major motion picture yep. in, a, in a long time. One of the worst. And he makes it sound like something a person might actually say. Yeah, he sells it. So I think he should just be in everything. I'm I'm into him. I, I like it. Can I tell you one of the worst lines I've ever heard in my whole life? Of course. So I tried to watch Iron Fist. Oh, God. I'm sorry. And there's a scene where there's like a destroyed truck and Madame Gow and one of her henchmen are looking at it. And he goes, how can one man do this with just his hand? And then she, Madame Gow goes, maybe not his hand. But his fist. Oh my god! <laughs> <coughs> the whole time I'm, I'm like sitting here and I'm hoping, please, please don't be. But his fist. <laughs> but his fist. That sucks. I am very glad that I did not watch that show. That that's a real butter fist. Oh my god. <laughs> but oh. his fist, though. Okay, well we've got to end the podcast now. That's it. <laughs> All right. So you're it was not a nice run. Gonna hear what we're gonna talk about today. We're just gonna end it before we actually even ever talk about Tommy. Yeah. Uh, no. No more podcast. That's it. No more. I'm gonna uh, gnaw my nail this whole podcast. That's great. I'm so excited to witness this. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, what was the other? Oh, and I also saw. I saw Spider-Man: Far From Home. Finally, I've been late catching up. I'm just. just this summer has just been bad honestly for movies not a lot of movies that i have been very interested in seeing did you see anything midsummer yeah i yes yes i yes i did watch something in the midsummer called midsummer and that movie's great we we've talked about it i fucking love that movie but like that's like one of the better things that i saw this summer uh uh, I still haven't seen Far From Home, and I think it's because after Spider-Verse, I was like, I'm... I'm yeah, gonna... I mean, that's a big thing. Spider-Verse Sp- happened. Spider-Verse is great, and it just... I didn't like the first Marvel Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I'm not like a I big... did enjoy Homecoming. I'm not like a giant fan of Tom Holland in general. 
I, you know, I think he seems like a nice guy. I don't have anything against him personally. I just am not like a super huge fan of him as an actor. I dig in him particularly. I dig him, but I get what you mean. It just doesn't. It, it like just yeah doesn't work for me in general. I think he does good work. Like you know, he's just like yeah. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. But I like Zendaya. She's you know, a blast. She's great. Uh, and yeah, so I didn't like the first one. I haven't really liked his appearances in any of the other Marvel movies. I don't like what they are doing with Spider-Man in the MCU. I think it is very disappointing. And the this Far From Home just kind of backed it up. They're just like, he is so... They have tied Spider-Man and his entire storyline and his all of his character development directly to Iron Man. And that is frustrating to me. Uh, because I like Spider-Man a lot, yeah. and I think he can stand just fine on his own. We've he, proven that it can. Yeah, we don't need him to like. It's fun. Like it's fun to have him interacting with other Marvel characters, like he does in the comics. But like, we don't need all of his storyline to be tied so directly and so forcefully to. Tony Stark. I, Tony Stark and Iron Man. It, it just doesn't work. Well, it's never really made any sense. For me also, I like him better as a ground level superhero than yeah. taking care of like world ending claims. Yeah, absolutely. Scenarios. I, I like him as the saving your cat from a tree. Yeah. Doesn't really always get to play Spider Man. Yeah, he fights petty crooks and like people who are doing like like they may dress up in a crazy costume or like be a weird monster but generally they just want to like steal shit yeah and like be bad they're not like world ending catastrophes generally and i will say like the the element that worked the best for me of uh far from home was definitely i liked jake gyllenhaal i think he gives a really good performance i love jake gyllenhaal i think jake gyllenhaal Again, another guy who's having a really great run. Even when he's in bad things, he is, like, a very fun element. He's the brightest and shiniest thing. Yeah. Like, did you see that fucking, um, I can't even remember what it's called, but the art movie. Oh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Velvet Buzzsaw, He's the best part in a movie that I was like, eh. Absolutely. He's very good in that movie. And that movie sucks. I really hated that movie. That movie is as pretentious as the people that yes. they're pretending to lampoon. It and and does not understand how to be a horror movie at all. Mm-hmm. At what all. if crazy shit happened suddenly? Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, weird movie. Uh, he's also terrific in uh, Okja, which uh, was like two. A year ago, two years ago. He's almost unrecognizable in Okja. He's so good in that movie. Uh, Okja fucking rules. We both saw Parasite. Yep. We'll talk. We'll definitely talk about that. But like, um, Parasite rules. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. But like, I think he's he's good casting as Mysterio, and because you know, but again, Mysterio they tie directly to Tony Stark. And so it just becomes Spider-Man fighting an Iron Man villain, basically. Yeah. And it's just very strange. And, like, I don't know. I feel like they visualize his powers really well, but uh, 
they kind of miss when it comes to, like, what's powering it. And, like, it's all drones and shit, which is just boring. Yeah. I just... I am kind of bored of drones and action movies. They're not passionate. No. It's like... And I don't want to see Spider-Man fighting a bunch of flying robots. Like, they make... Drones make sense as filler enemies in the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man video game. <laughs> where you need They're something like that pigeons. can... Yeah, where you need something that can fly around and be a pain in the pat, butt. Pat, pat. But, like, in a movie, they have no... There's no dramatic stakes to a drone. There's no, like... There's no emotion behind a drone. There's no fun. Uh, so all the action scenes are generally pretty not great. Uh, Which but, is a shame for a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, you know, you want you want that. Uh, but, you know, I think the... Uh, yeah. it's. I feel like it might be... It's tough. I feel like it's about as good as Homecoming. But, like could have been better if they had just really it the whole move the whole fucking movie is about tony stark and it's a spider-man movie and it really that really pisses me off because spider-man rules he can totally stand on his own he doesn't need to be tony stark's pupil like, yeah like successor or whatever it's boring it's not fun yeah uh but we uh we did just uh, we both saw Parasite, speaking of Bong Joon-ho, who directed Okja. I saw Parasite. I loved Parasite. Um, I'm go- planning on going to a screening of the movie that inspired it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I want to see that, too. But I, I'm really happy I went. In fact, I'm not really going to What was that called again, t- that movie? The Maid, the Something Maid, the Chambermaid. The Housemaid. The Housemaid. The housemaid. Yeah, yes, the it was The Housemaid. Um... I'm going to tell you that I loved Parasite. I'm going to tell you that I didn't expect a movie like that out of 2019 at all. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you that it's visually remarkable, and I'm not going to tell you much else because the best part was going in blind. Absolutely. I have not watched the trailer. I I, I never watched the trailer. I didn't watch any, like, interviews or anything. I was specifically staying pretty media blackout about that movie. I had seen two trailers and – it, they both gave me nothing, which good, was really good. Good, 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 good. That's what I'm worried about with trailers, like, for that kind of a Excellently movie. cut trailers, I will because, say. Because, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And, like, Bong Joon-ho is, I mean, for those who aren't aware, like, he directed The Host, uh, and he directed Mother, Snowpiercer. and Snowpiercer, and uh, Memories of Murder, and Okja. And he generally, he's like a guy who's kind of, his genre work is kind of unidentifiable. Like, he's always mixing and matching genres at his own discretion. It's Based on very what he good. thinks tells the story best. It's, and it's amazing. And, like, and so you get something like The Host, which is like Little Miss Sunshine, but with a giant monster in it. Or you get, like, Snowpiercer, which is like, an upsetting action horror set yeah. in like a class war. Yeah, what? Do you, like, yeah, that movie is almost impossible to describe. And I don't. I'm like, I'm not like the, a Snowpiercer devotee, like a bunch of people are. I really like that movie, but uh, it's completely unique and undescribable. Which is one of the reasons why, even like you, I'm not like ah Snowpiercer, but yeah. I do adore that movie because in an era where new concepts are hard to find. Yeah. 
Bong Joon-ho, he'll even take something that's already existed and make it completely absolutely unrecognizable yeah. from the original source. Uh, he's, yeah, so he's terrific, and so I was very excited for Parasite, and yeah, had no idea what to expect going in, and it is, it's amazing, uh, all the performances are incredible, some of the best performances, uh, that I've seen in a film in a while, uh, again, don't want to talk about any of the plot, because I feel like going in knowing nothing, but like, even just the title is kind of a red herring almost, but also very perfectly describes what's going on. And yeah, I really, really love I, it. might be my favorite movie of the year so far. I can't think of something. I'm like, I've been trying to think of something that might top it. Uh, and so far, I think it's it. I think it has the chance to go to best picture. If the, if the Academy is not fucking stupid. Which they frequently are. Oh, yeah. No, they, they totally are. And, like, they definitely, like, it's at least getting nominated for Best uh, Foreign Language, which I believe would be the first Korean film nominated for Best Foreign Language. Really? Uh, I could be wrong on that. But I think it deserves to go even further. Take I can't... to the internet to tell Olivia how she's wrong. Yeah, please. I love it. I love that. I definitely won't mute you on social media. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Parasite, highly recommend it. should be coming wide release, uh, in October, I believe. Do it. Uh, definitely check that one out. You know what else you should check out? Uh, no. What? Tommy. Oh, really? Do we have to? We are uh, on a podcast talking about Tommy. So yeah, so we uh, well, again, welcome again to Love's Confinement. We're through the preamble, uh, we're a podcast. We are talking about populist movies. Yes. Movies that made money. And the cold hard cash. That's what we're about. Working through the top ten has been interesting because since we're in 1975 and we're working through the bottom right now, we're working through movies where we're like, oh, right. Yeah. That was popular. Yeah. So the last one was Apple Dumpling Gang. Which Absolutely. It was funny doing that episode because it's interesting to see the people that are like, I love Apple Dumpling Gang. Really? Because um, they exist. Okay. And uh, there are people who I also like. So happy. A lo- love their like sense of writing and sense of humor and stuff like so it's really interesting to see like okay your your apple dumpling gang was my parent trap yeah uh, yeah I mean I get it if you grew up in the time and like that's the kind of kids fair that you're, yeah you're, you're growing up with now this one is an interesting one to come up on because this is every cool ex I have their parent loves this movie oh my god this is this is the boomer movie i think like i'm look i'm watching this thing and i had never seen tommy confession uh i grew up uh among classic rock people and like i have uh, many friends who love tommy and i never watched it uh i grew up to immigrants you can't hold me not having uh, shit against me that's why anytime somebody's like oh you hadn't seen the matrix which finally i have get off my fucking back or the godfather it's like (laughs) English was new to me. I'm catching up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, unfortunately, I grew up in the Midwest, and so, uh, yeah, it's not quite as forgiving. Um, but, yeah, uh, never seen Tommy, and it is the most boomer fucking movie. It's insane how much of a boomer movie this is. <sighs> the entire time I was watching this movie, I was like, I know these songs. Yeah. I've heard them. Yeah. I did not know that this is what they had in mind. So, okay, this is this is where I wanted to start off with, which is 
how how much like are you a fan of the Who? Do you like the Who? I have like you, the Who. You, have you listened to the much of the Who? I listen to the Who. I like the Who. Um, the Who is. I've never dated other than my ex husband Fight Club people. Oh yeah. But pretty much across the gender spectrum, I've dated Who people. Okay. So like. There, there are things where a lot of, like, early Brit pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, and yes, I'm calling it pop. I don't give a shit. Well, yeah, the, uh, who, they were the, they were the part of the crest of, like, the British invasion type yeah. bands. Uh, but I've, I, by proxy, have become a Who fan. Right. I, yeah, I like a lot of their stuff, uh, but I'm not, like, a giant Who fan, honestly. Uh, as then far who are you? Uh, yeah, hmm. Very good. I'm gonna do this the whole episode. Here's here, uh, right up front. I will say before we get too much in, more into the Who, the worst part of this movie is that it it doesn't have most of the best Who songs in it. Like I'm not a big fan of the album Tommy. I don't like most of the songs. It's not their best album. I think it's a little bit too uh, quaint and like cute and the trying who- to be. Clever. The Who is the best when you're aware that Keith Moon is there. Yes, absolutely. The Who is the best when you know that they have a rabid fucking animal at yeah. their drums. Absolutely. Uh, anytime where you're just like, oh, they're not as cutesy as I think. They're When they're just fucking feral. When they're just playing a rock song. That's when they rule. Yeah. Uh, but And Tommy feels like that time that David Bowie did a song about uh, elves. <laughs> yeah. Or totally. Gnomes. Don't remember. Doesn't matter. It's you can hear it giggling the whole time. Oh yeah. He's singing Love that. and then it just goes ee! in the background. I have that album. It's a Japanese copy. It's not good. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Uh I I tell you, when it comes to like the British invasion rock bands of the sixties, I prefer the Kinks, personally. I love the Kinks. I really love the Kinks. And if Tommy, if there, if like the Kinks had made a Tommy, I would totally watch that. I've always been more of like a Kinks monkeys gal. Yeah, monkeys are fun. Uh, they're a barrel of monkeys. Exactly. I'm not gonna stop. It's. I think it's the combination of I'm deliriously tired. I've had a lot of pot, and I've watched Tommy twice in a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and both times watching it, I had several moments where I was like, "Oh right, Boomers just learned about drugs." <laughs> It's really, yeah, uh, it's very illuminating as far as boomer outlook on they a, just lot about of, drugs. a lot of, of, on drugs and like, and like culture and the change and that sort of thing. And like religion, uh, very weird, but, uh, but yeah, I've always preferred the kinks. I like the kinks a lot, uh. I think they rule. Uh, the Who, I like a few Who albums. I like a few songs. Woo-hoo. I don't really like any of their albums straight through. I think I just like most, some of their songs. I'm very much the same way. I like Who songs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I enjoyed, like, their Woodstock set. It was very fun. And that's energetic, and it's very Keith Moon energy, where they're just kind of going out and going for it and just rocking out. So... It's really funny we watched this movie when we did because two different people completely not aware that I had just watched this had brought up Tommy. Oh, yeah? Uh, and it's really interesting to see the Who fan 
loved it. Yeah. The non-Who fan kept asking, is there something I was missing? Yeah. Uh, yeah and I was who. like, yeah, liking the Who. Yeah, yeah, That's a very important part of it. the main thing. Because outside of it, the plot <laughs> is... Weird, I will say. It's weird. I, that, and that's I how really I know usually, how it clicks together. Yeah, I think I usually, mostly just describe it as fucking weird uh, nonsense. It, I felt myself asking a lot of the time, "What are you guys trying to say?" Oh yes, absolutely. You mean constantly, nonstop throughout the film? I'm now. <laughs> what is the meaning of this? Two watches in, and keep this in mind. When I say I don't like a movie, or if I have it, it's not because I like watched it and I have to watch it, and I was on my phone the fucking t- whole time. I will watch it more than once. Yeah. I have watched Nymphomaniac twice. Oh, That's Jesus. nearly a day's worth of my life. That is like a six-hour movie. I watched it. Twice to see if I really did didn't like it. Oh. So if I'm saying I don't like it, I gave it a shot. You know how I knew that I wasn't gonna like Nymphomaniac? Uh, written and directed by Lars, Lars von Trier. Trier. Yep, 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 yep. Not I, a fan. I should have known when he hung Bjork that uh, I wasn't gonna like anything else he ever yeah, did. Yeah, he like than, fucking uh, assaulted her. Yep. She hate like she released the whole thing about how he was a monster to yep. her. Uh which how can you do that to Bjork? She's like a being of pure light. She's an a literal swan. She's she dressed like it for a reason. She's like a literal elf person who like lives on earth. Yeah. Uh fuck you, Lars von Trier, you're a fucking monster. Uh I never saw Nymphomaniac. Twice. I, no no Twice, thank Olivia. you. Never. Uh, Multiply that by zero. Good soundtrack. I'm uh, sure. But, good um, cast. I, that's the thing about his movies, especially lately. Once he's like started to make, like become a success in the like states. Melancholia. Yeah, that movie was one of his better ones. I didn't really like it very much, but I appreciated some of it. America, literally, never forget that Kristen Dunst is one of our greatest exports. Kristen Dunst is great. Kiki, Kiki Dunst, uh, fucking rules. Uh, she's on on becoming a god in Central <coughs> Florida right now, and it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I think you'd really dig it. I probably would. I love Kristen. Uh, Kristen Dunst. I would watch her in anything. Very Florida. Is it Kirsten Dunst? Kirsten, Kristen. Who knows? I've dated uh, a million crystals and crystals. I'm so sorry. If you're listening, Kiki Dunst, I want to pronounce your name right. She's Kiki Dunst forever. Yeah. Uh, Love you, Kiki. But, uh, yeah, I love her. What, man, yeah, she needs to be in more shit. I tell ya. She was amazing, and um, it it came out around the same time as Bridesmaids, uh, Bachelorette. Uh, oh yeah! But it doesn't feel I like I did not watch that. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, uh, it's her, Lizzie Kaplan, yeah, and Isla yeah. Fisher, and it is not like Bridesmaids at all. It looks like that from the cover. It is not. It is significantly. Yeah, they darker. tried to like market it as Bridesmaids. Shouldn't have been. Yeah, yeah. It's significantly darker. But I it's hate very when good. I fucking studios. But uh, on my tangent, I have watched Tommy twice. So when I say they don't actually say anything, and reading into it <laughs> is entirely based on nostalgia. On liking the Who and remembering the first time you smoked bad pot. Yeah, and this is this is a movie for people who have positive memories about the fifties. <laughs> like that's the target audience for Tommy. People who look back in, at post-war em, uh, era and were like, "Those were the days." There's a lot of people in my life who I love dearly. 
Um, but yes, they're all white. And when they reminisce about like nostalgia stuff and they talk about like how great certain eras were, here's the thing. There is no greater internal conflict than someone who's made their career on nostalgia and pop culture, uh, but also being a person of color that is fully aware of what those eras used to be, but I also love what those era gave, but there's also <laughs> such a conflict in my head. So anytime I say, I love the 90s, know that my insides are at war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on the record as nostalgia is a drug, a terrible, terrible poison uh, that rots us from the inside out. But it's also my career. Hire me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're great at it. I am like, I I, I would literally die. Uh, but like, there's a lot of times where people are like, oh man, that was the best era for da da da. And I'm like, well, I couldn't vote. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the yeah nostalgia. It's it's, it's always such just, a conflict. Yeah, and this is a nostalgia fucking movie. Front to back. Like, it really is. And again, I love nostalgia. I'm conflicted with nostalgia. But I'm also very easy, Mark. And even then, I, I love Elton John, and that wasn't enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And mostly the reason for that being is, I'll give you an example of a movie that's it's music, it's nostalgia, it's over-the-top camp, but it knows <sighs> what it's saying and that's why it lands with me. And yeah. it's Phantom of the Paradise. Totally, yeah, um, yeah. It's a movie that stars and is composed by Paul Williams. It's mm-hmm. a De Palma movie. I still need to borrow it. Um, I, w- I will love happily lend it to you. It's over the top, but it's also it plays with nostalgia in a way that also like uh, looks towards the future and the past all at once totally. and knows exactly what it's trying to say. Yeah. And it's a banger of a song after a banger of a song, but it doesn't hinge on just having good music. The right, stuff in right. between is good. <laughs> and so it's not like Tommy is at my jam. I've yeah. seen movies like Tommy that do it well. Well, and I think the thing that really needs to be clarified as we begin our discussion about Tommy uh, is – that this thing is like I don't if for those who haven't seen it, there is nothing this is all who music yep. straight throughout. There is no dialogue. It is a full on opera. Yep. Straight throughout, like a rock opera. Uh and not gonna lie, not a big fan of rock operas in yep. general. Not a big fan of concept albums in general. I love concept albums. I like That's the thing. some. I don't like I don't really like a lot of rock operas, but I love concept albums. Yeah. The Defamation of Strickland Banks, one of my favorite sure, albums. Yeah. It's a pure concept album from beginning to end. There are some that I like. I there are there are concept albums that I do enjoy, but I think the problem Tommy is the kind of concept album that epitomizes all of the problems with concept albums as a concept. Yeah. Uh, which is it's got these songs that are all plot and all it is is people like all the lyrics are just people's thoughts and, and like and like speaking out what they're doing or what they're seeing and those make for very boring songs yeah uh 
And those are always the worst songs on the concept album, and they drag the whole thing down. And when a concept album doesn't do that, then I, then I enjoy it. Defamation of Stricken Banks, Prayin' is a track where it talks about what it is, but it sounds like a prayer the whole time. Yeah. So it's it fits in the universe, and that's what I like. Totally. It. I like when a concept album knows what universe it lives in. Yeah. So it'll either sound like a song someone could be listening to you, or if it sounds like it's coming from the character, it sounds like the character. Right. And I, again, I know, who am I to be sticking it to the who? <laughs> I'm high and I'm a little bit sick. Uh, <laughs> sure. I, we also are just on our podcast. Else? We could talk about whatever the fuck we want. Oh, I know. Just explaining why I'm just like especially combative today. Because <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm a little more. I'm, it's okay. I am extra combative today. Uh, you got some stuff on your mind. I got some, st- I got some stuff. I. Ugh! Anyways. <laughs> That is the the theme noise of our podcast. <laughs> yep, that is it. But the album itself feels so much like when a TV show or a movie tries to make fun of like the silly wizard era of music. Oh, totally, yeah. Uh and it feels like it should be a parody because mm-hmm. it it it's almost unflinchingly cheesy yes and again and literal i like cheesy yeah i like the grimes album where she pretends to be a pop star from when robots took over the future here's what i'd like to here's what here's where i'd like to go with this is if they made tommy today it would be a netflix movie it would be because from justin to kelly yeah well well no what it would be in my opinion what I think it would be, like, I feel like Tommy, like, this is the kind of movie where they don't really release these things in theaters anymore, but some musicians have kept the Tommy tradition alive. I'm thinking specifically of, like, Lemonade, yeah. uh, and there was that Tom York thing from earlier this year. Like, these are, uh, there's going to be the, the new Sturgill Simpson album is going to have an anime that's like uh, basically going to be like Tommy but anime. What? Yeah, did you not know that? Had you not heard that? I thought I talked about this. I, like, I yeah. just remembered you telling me about it but it just hit. Yeah, the new Sturgill Simpson album, Sturgill Simpson and I. Uh, okay. He uh, you know, he's releasing his new country album this month, at the end of this month I believe, and uh it's going to be accompanied by a Netflix anime, like, like uh, what reminds the what the idea reminds me of is um, Daft Punk, Inter- Interstellar Five Five Five. I love that movie, uh, which is cool. But like, and but all of these examples of people who have continued the kind have morphed Tommy from rock opera movie to visual album have started to understand that plot is boring in this kind of an experience. Move the story without necessarily going like it's a cut and dry, this is what a plot is. Right. Because that's also a lot of how Lemonade worked, is Lemonade, yeah. you get the feeling. Exactly. And you get the resolution. Yeah. But there's not a story plot. Exactly. It's somebody's internal feelings as they work through a scenario. Right, right, right. 100%. And that's why, yeah, that's right. It's where not, I'm... and then I caught him, and then this, and then this. Right. It's not a movie about Jay-Z cheating on Beyonce. It's a movie about Beyonce's feelings about being cheated on. And then... 
and like all of these working other things. through how she feels about herself yeah, as a woman. Exactly. Uh, very good. And like, and yeah, I feel like that's how Tommy has evolved. Over, that's where you see the influence of. Tommy. It set good groundwork. Where yeah, sure. I mean, like, yeah, but it's just so hung up on also being a story that goes from point A to point B, and boy. Is that just not engaging, honestly? And I feel like if Tommy came out now, it would be – I mean I don't think people would like it for one thing because it would be too literal and yeah. too heavy-handed. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like that's definitely the modern uh, interpretation of that kind of an idea. Uh, and like in music videos have also taken – like these things have all taken kind of vi- visual ideas from Tommy. Like if you look at – early MTV music videos and stuff, like, a lot of the more visually engaging ones are taking stuff from from Tommy because it has... It does produce some very surreal images at times. Uh, But, yeah, let's... uh, let's, uh, So so I was thinking we're going to do... We're we're just going to go through... We're going to talk about the songs, and as we talk about the songs, we're going to talk about the movie. Uh... I feel like that's a good structure. Good structure. Structure. It's closer than to structure than what Tommy had. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's about as much structure as Tommy had. Oh, Kyle, you've returned. Um, so yeah, so it opens with uh, you. You got Anne Margaret. Uh, I love her. Yeah, who plays Tommy's uh mom? Tommy's mommy. Uh, Tommy's mommy, <laughs> indeed. And the Tommy mommy uh <laughs> marries the Tommy daddy. Uh, who is like a World War Two ace pilot? It's like set in 1945, uh, and this opening is all instrumental as they have like a nice picnic and and like yeah, basically our here's a, again. I understand. I guess I understand the point of making the story cover what it covers but like the idea of it is that it's literally covering this dude's entire fucking life just a guy named tommy just this kid this kid named tommy who watched his parents have sex who yeah who who uh well not his his mom and his like uncle his stepdad uh and well and then they yeah saw him like kill a guy that's like the basic impetus but like we've got this opening where it looks like tommy's daddy is uh dying he like he like goes down in a plane while she's giving birth and then tommy daddy dies yeah and then ve day happens uh and like it looks like they're like the she's in the hospital room and she's just she gives birth and then the doctor's like beginning of lion king style take the baby over to the window where just outside the window is just literally everyone every single person in england basically is like outside this window celebrating because of ve day yeah and uh it's like this very like this christening of like uh yeah, everyone is cheering for him as you he is born. You are important. <laughs> Very strange. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and then, like, didn't we pretty much fast forward to, like, Tommy being a toddler? and Tommy toddler. He, they go to this thing. I don't know if you 
so I had to look this up because I don't know much about uh, British stuff. But uh, they go to this thing they called They like a, crumpets. They do. They do. British people like crumpets a lot. That's a good good point. Uh, I don't know what a crumpet is. But uh, I'm sure they have them at this holiday camp, which I had never heard of. I'm like, are they going – like, it's a camp? It's like summer camp? What is this? Oh, yeah, caravan camp thing. Yeah, well, and it's like – and they've got like – full cabins and shit like and they 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 live in this place and that's where uh tommy's mommy meets uh frank who's the who's played by oliver reed uh who is a uh, big big sweaty big sweaty british guy the exact kind of guy where you're just like let's take the sweet mommy that we've made up to be madonna and Put him, put her with this lech. <laughs> put her under the most sweaty, like a ham in the sun. Yeah, he really yes body yes, and just fuck up Tommy forever. He is just uh, soft, pink, and oily. Mm, that is, that like is, my cat's food. That is what Frank, Uncle Frank, is like. Um, yeah exactly like your cats he looks like cat food kinda he's got like this uh, he's got like this greasy pompadour thing Uh, (laughs) he's like he like is he's singing this song about Bernie's holiday camp but I think the idea is that like he's got this dream of opening his own holiday camp or something I don't know again the the plot is kinda Tough to follow, but that's the Bernie's Again, holiday Again, I've watched camp. it twice, and I can't even confirm that phrase. <laughs> um, and, like, the... So they, they, like, go to the pool. Like, during the song, there's, like, this section where they're at the at the pool, at the holiday camp, and they do this thing where uh, they have, like, a best legs competition. Have, I'd never heard of this before. I watched my uncle enter a Harry's back competition once. Oh, my. Your face just changed emotions and yeah, so hard. That's something. He won. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. The judge gagged. Oh God! <laughs> and just handed him a prize. That sucks. I would not want someone to gag looking at my body, and God knows they probably have. He's got a back like a. You ever looked at trees on a mountain? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Whereas just like, you know there's ground under there, but all you see is treetop? Yes. Well, that's Uncle Will. Yeah. Oh. So they have a leg contest. <laughs> yeah, they they have a best leg contest. It's kind of like a hairiest back contest. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually the same. Well, because So what they do is they line up all these women, and then they put like a... Like, these two people hold, like, a big barrier mm-hmm. in front of them to where they can only... So the audience can only see legs. their legs. So I guess it's... You're, so you have to make be an objective judge. Uh, Can't think about the body. Who's yeah. got the best gams? Look, this thing happens in, like, five seconds, but, like, it really stuck with me where I'm like, this is bizarre. I've never heard of this. The 50s were a depraved time. Uh, seems bad. Y'all just like, wanted to fuck. Yeah, it's like very horny. But you wanted to feel bad about it. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, that British, uh, 
Puritanism. Story of nutted. <laughs> Is that your impression of a British guy? Oh, I um. Oh, oh, so I, so terribly sorry. I seem to have ejaculated all over <laughs> your bosom. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so oh, sorry. So, so so sorry. So sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's that's England in the sixties. Yeah, the O face is so sorry. Oh so sorry. no, I've made a mess. Oh no. <laughs> I love I love I love England. Uh, sorry guys. <laughs> Just kidding. We're we're terrible. Look, I'm our American. majority fan base is Australia and New Zealand, so if I gotta pick a side Yeah. Yeah, I pick New Zealand. Yeah. Uh you know, I'm an American. I can't help it. I'm boorish. Uh, I, I don't like it. I would rather not be. Um, so yeah, what happens next in Tommy? Uh, oh yeah. So then that's when I believe, uh, <laughs> that's when, so they're like about to start fucking he, like, uh, like uncle Frank is like taking off his clothes while, while they're singing into the mirror. And again, this whole time, I want to be clear. The characters are singing. It's not like they're pl- – that's another difference between – It's not like the Who is singing Yeah, it. that's a big difference between Tommy and like a visual album from today is it's not just the Who music and then people are acting things. It's like literally Anne-Margaret is like singing these songs and Oliver Reed is singing these, these songs and he's – you know, they've got good voices. Uh but you know it's kind of weird like you're missing out on like one of the big elements of like the who what makes the who and like who they are oh uh, i can't believe it's only 40 minutes in and we've made our first uh joke about uh who and the who uh i mean roger daltrey comes in later in the movie and so and like that's when they kind of start sounding more like all together who songs, but uh, he's also kind of mute for like half the movie. He also looks a thousand years old. He's a weird look. The fifties and the sixties. We're gonna get to Roger Daltrey, but like he fucking looks like a Steve Coogan character. He's a weird looking guy. Kind of, I but like that's kind of how so many of like the rock and roll sex symbols were in like the sixties and seventies. They were weirdos. And like but they were still like Mick Jagger. It makes sense to me though. Mick Jagger or or it's Roger like a, Daltrey? Mick Jagger. It's like a bendy pirate. Like I get it in that they're extremely like sensual and charismatic performers. And like I understand, like, physicality and, like, how that could be attractive. It doesn't change that they're fucking goofy looking. Oh, yeah. Sure shit. They both look like cool aunties. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially now. Like, oh, my God. Fucking. Rest in peace, Rico Kasich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's another cool auntie looking fella. It's true. Yeah. R.I.P. That just happened. Uh, But, like, Mick Jagger now is just, like, fully, fully an aunt. Uh... He's the end that, like, shows up and is just kind of like, all right. So I know they make birth control pills, but I just really like my diaphragm. <laughs> also, can I say here, and this is this will relate to, to a little bit later in the movie, but uh, this is not meant as a negative thing against either of these people. But speaking of rock stars and ants, 
Uh, I have an aunt who literally a great aunt. I think actually a great, great aunt. She's old. She's an old lady. Uh, but looks pretty young. But she uh, looks so much like Elton John. And, like, every time I see Elton John, I just think about my Aunt Peggy. And I'm like, she's like a little Georgian lady. She's a little southern southern lady. She's great. I love her to Benny death. She's amazing. <laughs> but Benny. every Benny. time, every, especially old Elton Benny. John, once I see a, a picture of, like, older Elton John... She, they, it's like spitting image. Uh, love you, Peggy. Peggy rules. She's so great. Like that's a great name. One of the most resilient people. She okay. So she's my great grandmother's sister. Uh, here's a little side tangent about about th- this side of my family. Uh, the four of them. There were four sisters, and they all grew up on this little shitty farm in georgia and uh the the sisters names were lossie flossie rossie and peggy this is a nursery (laughs) rhyme yes absolutely my my mom and my grandma have both like they wanted to make a like a children's book about the about them for a long time but like yeah uh i i they're they're great all of them are dead except peggy but uh yeah uh i just i i enjoy that i think it's a nice little 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 treat of southern uh information there were three hens yeah flossy lossy um, rossy and, and peggy. peggy uh yeah um yeah they just grew up on this little little farm in georgia in like the 30s or whatever 20s young young people I enjoyed that cute little side tangent so much more than the entirety of the movie. Both haven't watched it. How can you be Ellen to John? And I'm still <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I'm not a petulant child. I swear. We are. Uh, so what happens? Uh, they're they're like a uh, like Anne Margaret and Oliver Reed are about to fuck. They're about to they're about to bone ugh, down, ugh. Uh, and. Out of nowhere, Tommy Daddy shows up, uh, and he, like, has a moment with his son who's, like, half asleep and so doesn't really realize what's going on, but it wakes him up. And then the dad, Tommy Daddy, goes into the bedroom where Tommy Mommy and Fred are – Frank. Frank, yes, are uh, about to bone down and freaks out. Uh, he he gets very pissed, which is unfair. It's been almost ten years, dude. She thinks you're dead. Yeah, like look, he's he's like all burnt up. His face is all fucked up. Like he needs to honestly. Like I get how he's probably all that's been keeping him going is knowing that his girl is still out there and blah blah. blah. But he needs to like grow up. Yeah, and like get his Let shit her fuck together. This giant pile yeah. of cat food. She needs to get hers. Come on. Uh, and then Frank kills him. <laughs> and Tommy sees Frank kill him. And Anne Margaret, who, and Oliver Reed, who in this scene in particular, but it's in a lot of this movie also, uh, look like they are on the most cocaine, uh, which we've talked about in the past. And, like, I thought we'd seen the most cocaine 
but holy shit. Uh, Maximum Overdrive, no longer yeah. the most coked out movie we've ever seen. These, like, they are just, like, so hot, keyed up. And uh, they're, like, just start. This is the song. It's called What About the Boy? And that's, like, the main word. Like, Anne Margaret's just screaming, What about the boy? And just, like, over and over and over again, screaming. And then, like, they both, like, get into Tommy's face. And they're, like, you didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. You never saw anything. And like, and because of this, he goes blind and deaf, and I think is also mute. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah. And then there's a big montage where they like take this little blind, deaf, mute kid to like a carnival and are trying to like snap him out of it. They take him to all sorts the of like the original child therapist. <laughs> yes, yeah. The carnival. We took him to a carnival and he's still acting weird. Ah, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> um, yeah, he and he like he goes like like the little kid like goes on this fucking psychedelic trip <laughs> and like is like totally in his head just imagining his mom and uh, stepdad killing his dad uh and then finally like there's this whole montage and then like and it's still the fucking these this song playing the whole time it's just like noodle 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 and apparent like you get the idea that like they are just constantly trying new ways to like make this kid not blind. Not blind and, and deaf anymore. Figure out what's going on with him. Say something, Tommy. And he, and he grows up and he becomes Roger Daltrey. Uh, who, again, looks like a Steve Coogan character. And it's the consequence of watching your mother fuck you become Roger Daltrey. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what happens, kids. That's why you stay out of the bedroom when you hear weird noises. We're, there's going to be a lot of moms calling this podcast like, why are my kids running in to watch me nut? And we're like, why are your kids listening to our podcast? Yeah, like, for real. They shouldn't so be. This isn't for kids. Kids would find this so interminably boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they like they take him to like a, a cult some weird cult that worships Marilyn Monroe. Uh, More like Hollywood. Yeah. I don't understand what the point of this is. I, this is where it really begins the whole like, what there is... There is no point to what any is, of this. What is the point of this imagery? Are they... So they're worshipping Marilyn Monroe and like the song is like... It's, this is one of the few songs. This one is sung by Pete Townsend. This is one of the few areas where like the who actually appear in the movie. And they get to be the who. Yeah, and so you get like a little bit of Keith Moon, which is good. He's always in Whenever he's on screen, it's great. Uh, and Pete Townsend, again, another weird-looking guy. That guy, the schnoz on that guy is incredible. Yeah. It's like... I love me a nose. He's a fucking... It's got, it's a beak, man. It's fucking wild. If you look like wild. a toucan, I want to ride you into the sunset. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's got a... He's, and his face is like all nose. Hell yeah. Uh, it, like, it, like, leads into his forehead and, like, the back of his head. Uh, he looks like, uh, he looks like, uh, Ganon. Again. From Legend of Zelda. <laughs> All of the men, women, and everyone in between I have ever loved look like Milhouse. Hey, yeah, no, I'm a fan of a big, I'm, I'm a big Schnoz fan. I'm a big Streisand like bitch, him. so I, I, I like a face to be mostly nose. <laughs> Uh, and like, uh, Jennifer Grey. 
God, I miss old Jennifer Grey. So hot. Uh, so hot. Want to touch the hiney. But yeah, so they're at this fucking weird... I honestly don't understand... <clears throat> this is one of the scenes where I'm just like, I don't understand what, what this is. I don't understand what the point of this is. None of this makes any sense. Uh, what? Why are they worshipping Marilyn Monroe? Uh, they brought... Like, I get the idea that it's like... They're faith healers. Like, I, that makes sense. But then it's the Marilyn Monroe aspect where I'm like, but that doesn't seem... Because some coked out writer was like, this is going to be a commentary on something. And yeah, somebody was they like, worship... On what? They worship celebrity And then somebody's like, what's it a commentary on? And they're like, I don't know, just put it in. And then they did more coke. <laughs> yes, basically. Uh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, so that doesn't work, obviously, because it's fucking nonsense. Yeah. And then... That's where you get one of the uh, absolute most fucking bonkers scenes of the movie, which is uh, Frank takes him to uh, a sex worker, I think, is what she's supposed to be. Yeah, she's a sex worker. Tina Turner. supposed to help snap him out of it. Yeah. The idea, I think the idea is that he, like, Frank thinks that he's gonna, like, that that this sex worker played by Tina Turner, again, great voice. Like, this is one of the times where, like, having another singer is, like, great. And she takes him into this bedroom, and you think, like, oh, great, they're gonna, they're gonna fuck, and that's not gonna work, and, uh... This is weird, and like, why is this happening? And then they, she sings a song. The song that she sings is called Acid Queen. And, uh, what she does is, uh, she takes Tommy and she puts him in like an Iron Maiden, basically. This like giant metal suit. That closes and it's got all of these needles inside of it that are connected to these syringes. And she closes this thing on him, which I'm assuming puts the needles into his body. Yep. Which seems... Painful. Painful and frightening for a person who is blind and deaf. Suddenly, ow. Suddenly, from all directions, from everywhere, I am in pain. And then she, like, this red liquid fills up the tubes all around the outside of this Iron Maiden uh, and then fills up the syringes. And then the syringes inject him with this glowing red fluid, which I'm guessing is supposed to be acid. The song is called Acid Queen. Yeah. Uh, And then he goes on a kind of psychedelic trip while she is having a complete manic episode outside. She is writhing around on the ground, uh, freaking out and screaming. And then when he comes out and Frank like takes him out of there, there's this really creepy shot where like, it looks back at Tina Turner as they're walking away. And she's like, gnashing her teeth and like moving her lips like she's talking but not talking and like it's very disturbing and very weird and again not entirely sure what the meaning of this is what the point is uh sex is cool yeah i think that's literally it's just like 
fucking wild, man. She lives on the edge. She's like an outsider. She's not even peddling sex. She's peddling experiences. She'll expand your mind. So how does Tommy expand his mind next? <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, then the, then it goes to a sequence. Again, this is where I'm like, what, why is this the story of the concept album? Like, up until this point, I'm like, okay, I guess I understand what we're doing. We're, we're setting up this boy's life. We're showing why he's become blind and deaf. And then <clears throat> we're showing how he's trying to fix that. And then... Then there's like this montage where it's two separate songs like back to back that are all from the perspective of various babysitters and family members that he is put in the care of who are fucking lunatics, absolute fucking maniacs. Like the one like in you're just like, why are we watching this? This doesn't make – of all the stuff, like, this should be cut, I feel like. This should not be in the movie. movie is almost two hours long, and this it doesn't need to be Pretty in much here. everything in between Acid Trip all the way up to Pinball Wizard should be yeah, cut. Yeah, basically. Like, this whole, this whole section is just, like, building up to the pinball section, but, like – it starts off with like this guy who's like singing a very nice song and he's da la da da and and like seeming very nice but like looks like a punk and then is like forcing him to do terrible things he's like making him uh like hurting him and like putting him in pain and like doing terrible things to him and I guess they get rid of him it's not really understood whether they the Anne Margaret and Oliver Reed are like getting rid of him or whether it's just like, oh now we're moving on to the next guy. And the next guy is one of the most depraved uh movie characters that I've seen in a in a long time. Where his song the main chorus, I guess if you could call it, of his song is Breaking into an atonal diddle around the house, diddle around the house. Like he's just like screaming that at like random intervals. And he's just like a fucking gross guy. And he's like just doing weird sex stuff all over the place. And you're like, what is this? Weird Wha sex. Huh? It's just weird sex. It is. And he's like, his whole thing, it's not even, honestly, it's not even sex. It's like, his whole thing is just like being creepy with other people's stuff. Yeah. He's like going through all their stuff and like rubbing it on his body and stuff. Ugh. It's so weird. Uh, and again, I'm just like, He's why? He's nipped out of his mind. Why? He is. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. He got into the catnip and then started diddling around the Not house. Even once. Uh, I have no idea what the fuck that song is. Like, it's the. It, that is maybe the. Fiddle about. I'm sorry, not diddle about. He that would be inappropriate. Diddled the couch. Fiddle about. That might be the weirdest song in the movie. I don't know. Like it's that one's a tough one to top. That one fucking is weird. Uh, and it's after that that Tommy starts taking a. He starts like staring into the mirror all the time, which 
Tommy Mommy even like comments on it's like she's like you'd think he could see how he's always staring in the mirror and she's getting freaked out by this uh and he just keeps staring in the mirror and then one day she gets very upset at him i can't even remember what sparked it honestly and she like throws him into the mirror which he goes through then yep and he like falls and then is able to see and speak oh wait no that's er- no that's he follows that's the vision later. of himself. What, what happened? Yeah, he follows the vision of himself where he, he see like he actually sees himself. Walking to an old pinball machine. Yeah, and he, they, it, the, him, the, his, the vision of himself takes him to a junkyard where there's this like old pinball machine. And Frank and the media are immediately like, he's yeah, a genius. It's so weird. Yeah, because like he's like a, supposedly – so he's like at the junkyard all night playing pinball and then by the time Tommy, Mommy and Frank get to the junkyard, there are all these cops there and like all of these reporters who are like freaking out about this guy this playing kid's pinball. He's really good at pinball. Apparently he's he, he like just the sheer force of his pinball playing attracted the media from so far. Several people came and they don't know why. It was very weird. They just climbed uh, And so, yeah. And so, like, the only thing that he's good at now is playing pinball. And uh, so, like, and the news of that spreads. And there's a whole fucking song about news of that spreading. Uh, but then it comes to what I would say, and I think you might agree, is the best sequence in the movie. Which is the pinball wizard. Elton sequence. John. Elton John. Best part. Elton John plays the current reigning pinball champ. Backed by the Who. Yeah. Yes. And he sings the song Pinball Wizard, which is a good song. I enjoy the song Pinball Wizard, which it helps the scene a lot. Maybe the only song I like on the whole it, album. I think it might be my favorite song like it might be the only really good one i can't think of another one that is like anywhere near as good as pinball wizard tommy go to the mirror acid queen is a pretty good song and tina turner is great but like uh pinball wizard that so the song rules and elton john is great i mean i love elton john i i really love him as an artist and a performer uh I don't think – is this like his only movie? I feel like this might be the only movie he's been in. I feel like in. he's done other things. Uh, but it might be his most like sizable role. Like it's a pretty important role. And they put him in – He's so he's like – his whole thing I think is that this guy is like super short. He's like tiny. Yeah. He's like a little guy. And so they put him in these insane shoes that are like seven foot high yeah the the shoes alone are like so tall like at least four feet tall at least if not if not six or seven and they're not only tall but they're also like long like they're huge they're very wide oh i looked it up some feet yeah really yep that's insane they i mean it's he and he is dwarfed like he is so short in comparison to these shoes you know because he's not like a tall guy he's like a little guy and uh, he plays pinball uh, 
by playing the piano, which is cool. I think that's a pretty cool visual. Uh, that he's like jamming on this keyboard that's attached to a pinball machine and that's making him uh, do well. But Tommy is a prodigy and unfortunately uh, he just kicks his ass. He just smokes him without even really trying. Tommy's a pinball wizard. And Elton John loses his shit. Like this is is the scene where I think it is the pinnacle of what a movie like Tommy can achieve. Yeah. Where – the song is good, and it is not necessarily – it's not describing what's happening. It's kind of just describing this guy's – The vibe. Yeah, the vibe and like the the it's from the rival character's perspective, and it's from – it's about like his rise and like his backstory in song form as the events are playing out. And like the visuals are very inventive. It's very colorful. They're in this uh, like theater that's like packed to the brim with a bunch of weirdos, and everyone's in really crazy costumes. Like Elton John's costume, even aside from the shoes, he's like in this like blue and white striped getup. It's very good. Um, and you know, and you've got the Who there playing mm-hmm. in the back, and like you get some good shots of them, and that's like. It's very engaging, and like for this section, that you're just like, this is this is what this movie could be. I like this. And then it goes back to Tommy. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then it becomes so, and then he, and then Elton John gets carried off, which yep. I love, and that's where you really get the sense of how huge the shoes are. I wish it ended there. <laughs> you get some really great. I love. I want another thing about the pinball. I love they play with because of how huge the shoes are. There are some really fun shots that are like playing with perspective, where. It almost looks like he, like Elton John is like leaning back and like and like the shoes are like almost in three D coming mm-hmm. at the screen and stuff. I really like that stuff. That part's really cool. Yeah, uh, and then it does go back to uh, just Tommy being Tommy. Now he's now he's like famous, now but like famous. he and he and and he's rich and they move into this like insane uh, all white house. And of course, now they're like, we can see a specialist. Yes, yes, okay, yeah. And that's the other, this is the other scene that I think is like... Redemptive. Redemptive and just like makes this thing worth watching. Yeah. Because they go to see the specialist, and the specialist is played by Jack Nicholson. With surprisingly good pipes. Who sings. And this is the only movie he ever sings in. And he sings really well. I was extremely shocked by his singing voice. Because, you you know, Jack Nicholson, first of all, great actor. We're going to be talking about him later in this miniseries. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> and he's a great actor. He's got an amazing... I mean, he's got, especially at this time, this is like peak Nicholson, I think. Like, where he is just fucking hot. Just... Young Jack can fucking get it he is a total smoke show and he has this his voice i think is one of his most incredible features like he's got this like it's like it's like raspy but it's like but it's cool but it's got like that like christian slater yeah oh yeah christian slater absolutely they christian slater ripped off his whole thing oh yeah nicholson and then like his singing voice though is gorgeous. It's like, it's high. Like, he's got a, a high singing voice. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's clear and smooth and like it's really very nice. Uh, song kind of sucks. The song is not very good. No. It's kind of boring. It's not a very fun song, <laughs> but it it is uh, it, it is really interesting to see uh, uh, Jack Nicholson sing. That's just it's fun. Yeah. I don't know why he's in the movie. You think he just liked the Who? I think he just liked the Who. A lot of actors in this yeah. movie, I'm like, you just like the Who. I feel like that's the case for a lot of the people. Definitely, and, like Tina Turner, probably. Yeah, because like after he sees a specialist, we have a fun reveal of uh, Tommy not actually being. Oh yeah, well that's when that's when the whole mirror thing happens mm-hmm. where. Uh, yeah, well, at the specialist, though, I want the the quick thing to point out. The specialist is they put these like weird silver balls on his face. They like that's where you get kind of like the Tommy poster image of like him with the silver balls and then the over his face like, yeah. and the thing over his mouth, which is like I guess the specialist treatment or whatever. Which comes back like Tommy he brings that back into his cult later. But uh, yeah, then then you've got the scene that I mentioned earlier where he he keeps staring into this mirror and then Anne Margaret like freaks out at him. I can't remember why. Uh, Tommy mommy is just mad all the time. <clears throat> Tommy mommy is just uh, really yeah. Uh, she's 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 having a time. She's really like they. There's this whole subplot that is never fleshed out really about. Tommy Mommy and Frank like descending into this hedonistic bacchanal where they are just like constantly like fucking and like hating each other and getting fucked up and it's never really like it's never there's not any it all happens in the background but it is like this weird arc that happens. Uh, and so she throws him into the mirror, and he crashes through it, and can suddenly see and hear again, and he sings the song. This is where you get Roger Daltrey singing for the first time. And he sings, uh, I'm Free, which is fine. It's a fine Who song. Yeah. It's, like, totally passable or whatever. But, uh, he, like... I don't. Yeah, he 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 runs around. He can see. He goes swimming, uh, and then eventually, uh, Tommy Mommy catches back up with him. And then uh, they all they start like this cult uh, where he is like now become this like it's like it's half cult leader and half like self help. Yeah, he's like if Tony Robbins had power. Yeah, he is. It's like if Tony Robbins took the next step and just became a cult leader. Uh, It's a similar kind of vibe. And like uh, there's a song that's like from the perspective of this like 13-year-old girl who's like a fan of of his, which is very weird when you think about how – rock bands in the 60s and 70s interacted with their young underage fans. It's a very weird song. And she goes to like this revival that he he's like, he's become like this Baptist revival preacher almost and he like, he's got this symbol that's like a cross, but instead of a cross, it's a, it's an uppercase T for Tommy with a microphone head on it someone spent a long time coming up with that. <sighs> oh my god that is just one of those symbols where you're like this doesn't mean anything at all 
This is so... It's so... It's all show. It is truly this, like, very boomer, self-absorbed notion of uh, religion and, like, and, and improvement and cults and things mm-hmm. where it's all just like focused on you and, and how you can be better. Uh, it's very weird. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that song. What's it? What's the rest of the, like then at this point, now it, he wants to help his mom. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, there's the weird scene. I can't remember where in the movie it takes place. There's the fucking weird scene where Aunt and Margaret, she is at home Watching in her empty white modern house, watching uh, a beans commercial on the TV. You remember this? Yeah. And then as she's watching the TV, she like gets really pissed off at the bean commercial for some reason. And so she throws a thing through the TV, breaks the TV. And then all of these beans start pouring out of the TV, like these baked beans. And it just, like, floods out of the TV and spreads all around the ground. And then she, like, gets down in the beans while she's singing and, like, spreading the beans all around her body and, like, all over her Roll that beautiful bean footage. Exactly. Exactly. That's the secret of Bush's baked beans. That is, yeah. Uh, this is what happens when that fucking dog tells the secret. Uh, it's such a weird scene. I have no idea what it is. It, I don't know why it's in the movie. I don't know what the point is. I don't know what it's trying to say. Again, it's so bizarre. And he decides, now I want to transform yeah, so while that's happening, yeah, he, like, he goes from, like, this Baptist revival thing to, like, just a full-on cult leader. Uh, he starts his own holiday camp, you know, coming full. Like, I think the idea is, I think they've got this very loose full circle idea because the ending kind of mirrors the beginning a little bit. Where, you know, it goes to the holiday camp and that's where, like, he brings all of his followers and they just kind of lose faith in him. They're like, teach us something useful. Yeah. And he's like, and his big idea is that he has where, like, he's trying to reach them and he decides, you know, what I'm going to do to make you guys see what I'm trying to do here is uh, I'm going to blind you and make you deaf. Yep. And mute, and so he puts the the weird silver balls and like headphones from the specialist's office on all the people, and this causes them to revolt and riot. Just absolutely riot. Uh, kill Tommy, mommy. They kill Tommy, mommy, and Frank, uh, <clears throat> and then Tommy runs off. Uh, and there's, this is where, this is like the big climactic song. I can't even remember what the name of the song is. Oh yeah, it's We're Not, that's when We're Not Gonna Take It happens, which is a very famous Who song. Uh, and then he runs off and he runs back to the place 
from the opening of the movie where Tommy Mommy and Tommy Daddy were having a picnic and he runs up there and watches the sun and then that's kind of how the movie ends. And then for centuries people were like, yeah man, I get it. Yeah, it's so deep, man. I mean, that has to be that has to be why it made so much money. Because, again, we're talking, this is the number nine uh, highest-grossing yeah. film in 1975. It was attached to one of the biggest bands of all time totally. at their peak. Yes, absolutely. It had a lot of stars. Uh, sure. And right to- at their cinematic peaks. Yes, and I believe Tommy was a very good-selling album It was a really well. well-selling album. And... Again, a joke about, like, oh, they just discovered drugs, but also this is when, I don't want to say we became more lax about drugs, but when it started to become more recreational-based. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the late 60s, early, mid-70s, definitely. Like, I feel like that's one of the big things that they're known for is, like, this widening of drug use and acceptance and that sort of thing. Um but yeah, you know, it's just really weird. I'm I'm watching this movie. And I'm just left with like, I don't know, don't know what I'm supposed to feel about this. Am I just supposed to feel blown away by how great of an artistic achievement it is? Because at the time, yes, big fail on on that part. I liked a lot. You know, I like you know the pinball sequences, very good and that sort of thing. But I thought the costuming was great. Uh... There's a lot of interesting visuals, and it set a lot of, like, important groundwork for the future of, like, music and films. Yeah. It's just, I am not the audience for this movie. No, absolutely not. Uh, I am not either. Which is why I'm very excited, not just about our next movie, but the movie after that. Oh, yeah. Because I am the audience! Totally. And again, that's, like... That's what's so great about a lot of the things we're covering is it's it is really running the gamut of all the different types of things. Uh, Roger Ebert really really liked the movie. He liked the Lake House too, so he can suck it. Yeah, you know, but he's also a great guy. Okay, he's also a great guy. He, he's maybe I say he can suck it. Famous but famous film critic. Uh, maybe one of my favorite favorite film critics of all time if not just go read his review for brokeback mountain and it's one totally. of the most beautifully absolutely written uh, uh, reading criticisms old, yeah reading old ebert reviews is a very rewarding uh way to pass the time yeah uh even the stuff that he dislikes that i adore it's funny to see why he doesn't like it yes uh and he really liked uh ann margaret uh called her simply great as tommy mommy uh, and then, of course, you love the, the pinball sequence, uh, which is, yeah, I agree. Uh, he called it a pulsating, orgiastic turn-on, edited with the precision of a machine gun burst. It is edited very well. Yeah, totally. That's, like, the again, the best, definitely the best thing. But I think I agree more with uh, Gene Siskel, who gave it two and a half stars and called it a disappointing slapdash pictorialization of the fine music of the who with no cinematic flow. Siskel, even though I love Ebert's writing more, you and I vibe. I get it. I, I don't know. I, Oh, but you know, who is a big fan of the movie, Tommy. And, and there's, there's mention of this. Uh, this is my favorite review of the movie. Ghostface. Uh, close. Uh, Old Dirty Bastard. Yes. Tommy was a great film, said Old Dirty Bastard. 
a blind deaf kid who could play pinball. What a very great idea. What? I miss ODB so much. <laughs> That's such a great review. <laughs> I really, I truly love that. A blind deaf kid who could play pinball. What a very great idea. I love you, ODB. <laughs> shimmy, shimmy, ya, shimmy, ya, shimmy. This movie was a big old eh. Yeah, it's like fine. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, I think it's interesting to watch. I think it's worth a watch. And just to see what the deal is, just to figure out where your uh, weird boomer parents and grandparents are coming from. Yeah. Yeah, very, very weird movie. Tommy. 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 So, yeah, uh, so that's, that's, that's us talking about Tommy. I'm trying to think of a, of a good, of a good wrap up, but I feel like it's like the movie Tommy. I feel like there's no real, uh, nice bow to be drawn. There's no, there's no neat conclusion that we can come to. Yeah, other than. Any final thoughts on Tommy? That was a movie, and I was not the audience, but the pinball is cool, and I'm legit excited to talk about Other Side of the Mountain. Yeah, that, that one. Okay, so yeah, next week, uh, next week we're talking about The Other Side of the Mountain, which is, uh, sure is a, sure is a 70s movie. That, that one. Is. And uh, yeah, so so please, if you you know if you if you want to watch uh, watch it, check it out. I don't know, you know, I don't know necessarily that how much it's worth a four dollar rental, but if you decide that it is, then then maybe you'd watch it. I think Tommy's a little bit more worth watching. Yeah, if you have to choose between one, especially if you want to watch one with friends. Uh, yeah, I think Tommy's more fun to yeah. watch and comment on than yeah, other side of the mountain will definitely. be. Definitely, and if you get like a if if you're if you are a person who partakes in drugs recreation recreationally then you know you might you might get a kick out of it uh so yeah uh, i guess that's it uh, <laughs> uh where can the people find you vanessa you can find me on uh, at nest uh, uh, oh, ooh. i'm sorry i'm menstruating you can find me on at nest okay. on all forms of social media and vanessagritten.com uh every thursday you can also find me on el ray nation on el ray network i know i just talked about my period and junk but i'm much funnier there uh <laughs> no i'm funnier here actually because i could say fuck here hey. uh, i'm funny on both you're funny uh she says with the shovel deep in her hands uh <laughs> yeah both both pieces of media i dearly dearly love please send coffee help hell yeah uh and you can find me on twitter at hi there hi dar and thank you so much to Jorge Riverall for our gorgeous podcast artwork. We yes. We never get people that stop telling us about it. I, I love it. I truly love it. And thank you so much to uh, Luke Ventress for our theme song, which again, amazing. Dope as Great hell. Great work, guys. It's our pinball wizard. True talents. Fucking love you. Uh, and yes, and uh, please remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Hop on uh, iTunes. Let the people know what you think of us. Tell us what you think of Phase Two. Uh, phase Two. How you how you like what we're doing? Uh, if you've got any other ideas for for phases, uh, which we may or may not get to, because who knows how long Phase Two will last? I feel like Phase Two is going to be the long run. If people like it, if people like it, I hope people like it. I'm a fan. <laughs> I think they will. Me too. Uh, and yes, uh, please remember to subscribe. Uh, follow us on social media at Locom Phenom. Uh, and yes, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Pinball.